0: Alright, so uh, we're going to be turning to the book of chapter uh, 9 of Luke. Luke 9, verses 1 through 26. Alright, so bear with me. It's, I'll do my best. Alright, so Luke chapter 9. So the book of Luke is a book filled with good news for everybody. It's a book written by a disciple named Luke who happened to be a doctor. And uh, he provides a lot of detail in all of the accounts in his writings. Uh, He carefully researched his material. He interviewed a lot of eyewitnesses. He listened. But most importantly, he allowed himself to be guided by the Holy Spirit. So Luke's key message in this book is that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He presents Jesus as a compassionate um, son of man who came to live among sinners. He came to love people, to help people, and to die for people. It's a book with a message for everyone, and in this chapter specifically that we're going to be reading, uh, chapter 9, it describes the busy life that he had, but also the compassion that he had. And then he also told his disciples and the people The cost of discipleship. He described, uh, Luke described Jesus' ministry in great detail in um, the book of Luke. And he highlights Jesus' ministry, which included a lot of things like casting out demons, healing the sick, teaching the people, forgiving the people, and then also calling out the people. And specifically, he called out the twelve. And now here, whereas we're going to start reading, it's talking about when he started sending them. Uh, Chapter 9, we have the disciples here becoming apostles and then the great commission is given to them that they are to present the gospel of Jesus Christ and to go out and to proclaim it, that there is a kingdom of God. So here we go, Nine one, Then he called his 12 disciples together and he gave them power and authority over all demons And to cure diseases. So one of the things that stood out as I was reading this, it was like, you know, I go through this a lot. You know, we we get scared to go out and to do God's work. But here it's saying, well, you know what? You shouldn't be scared if God called you. Because if he called you, he's going to what? He's going to equip you. And here he called them. He equipped them. And then he gave them the power and the authority not only over all demons, but also to cure diseases. So a lot of times I think, I mean, at least for me, I get scared, right? I, I'm like, Lord, you know, I, I don't think I could do this. And, and the Lord constantly, constantly reminds me, if I called you, I'm going to equip you. I'm the one that gives the power and the authority to do these things. So you just need to rely and trust in me. In verse 2, it says, he sent them to do what? To preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So look at the order there. The first priority was to preach the kingdom of God. That's Jesus' most important ministry. That's what he cares about the most. That's what he came here was for the people. And before the healing of the sick, his first responsibility to them was preach the kingdom of God. And then So we can't get it backwards, you know, first we need to preach the kingdom, share the kingdom, and then allow the Lord to do the work. A lot of times I think we get needs of people, you know, being sick or they're not feeling well. And our first instinct, our first intuition is to pray for their physical healing. When God here is so much concerned about so much more, their spiritual healing. We're going to read later on, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What does it profit you to be healthy but be spiritually sick? And so the evidence here was that they were healing the sick. And during this time, you know, there was great power, great um, authority that was given over to them even to heal the sick. And, And that's great. It's great to see a miracle like that. But what about a miracle of a changed life? Would that speak loudly, even more so than a miracle of healing the sick? And, you know, I'm I'm probably the biggest miracle that people are going to see is that he healed this sick sinner that used to live this way and do these things. But now, because of Jesus Christ, I do these things. So verse 3 and 4, And he said to them, Take nothing for the journey, neither staff nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. This is the simplicity of, of the ministry. You know, There's no begging. There's no, hey, we need this, hey, we need that. It's trusting, it's relying. And here he was telling him, you don't have to take anything. When I call you and I equip you, I give you the power and the authority, and I provide for you. For God guides, he provides, and he told them, take nothing with you. Trust in me. Depend on me. I'm going to be the one that provides for you. I'm Jehovah Jireh. And he provided all their needs, all the power, the Holy Spirit, all of their stuff, everything that they needed. He said, don't even take money. Don't even take tunics. And then what did he say? He said, and whoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So even if God gives us the power to heal the sick and to cast out demons, and we're preaching the kingdom, there's some people that they're not going to receive it. You know, that that's a condition of their heart, of how their heart is, and and that's why I say that, you know, aside from more of these just great miracles, God wants to see the miracle of a changed life. And, and sometimes the greatest thing that we can do is show people that we're different, that we've been uh, changed. And, and here they weren't receiving. They, were, they, were, they didn't believe, they didn't receive, they were being deceived. And here he told them, you know what, you do the work and let me deal with the consequences of whether they uh, believe and receive or they don't. We told them to shake off the dust. The Jews, when they used to walk on Gentile territory, you ever played that game where you don't want to step on a crack? Right? They used to walk on Gentile territory to them. That was just like, it, it wasn't good soil for them. It was, it, was, it was beneath them. And so as they were getting ready to cross over to the promised land, they would shake off the dust and get it off of them. And this is what the Lord was telling them to do is to say, hey, if they're not receiving you, I want you to display that, hey, they're now accountable to me. I, I, I put it on you to share with them. Now you have no further responsibility. That's where free will takes in. You've done all you can, and now you are to treat them as Gentiles. Verse 6, so they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Again, the, the priority, the responsibility Was to preach the gospel. That was what he wanted first before anything else. Seven through nine it says, Now Herod the tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, and he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead, and by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the old prophets had risen again. And Herod said, John, I have beheaded. But who is this of whom I hear such things? So he sought to see him. Uh, So Herod the Tetrarch, he was a son of, of Herod the Great. And he had already had John the Baptist beheaded. So here he was perplexed. He was haunted. He said, oh, no, this guy has come back from the dead. He's coming back to get me. And some people had said, well, no, this is not John the Baptist. It might be Elijah, might be one of the prophets, risen from the dead. And here it's interesting. Herod, it said that he sought to see him, but he never decided to follow him. And he would see him, but later on, until the day that he was tried to be crucified before Pontius Pilate, but all he wanted to do was see him and not follow him. And there's several people that they're comfortable coming to church and I'm comfortable having this distant relationship. Ah, It's okay if I see, but I don't want to follow. We need to be very careful that we're not just always looking for signs and wonders or for what God can do for us, but we're looking to follow him. And we'll we'll cover that a little bit more in verses 23 to 26. Now, feeding the 5,000 and the apostles, when they had returned, They told them all that they had done, and he took them and went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. But when the multitudes knew it, they followed him and received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. This is pretty cool because, you know, they were excited, like, wow, Lord, you you called us, you equipped us. And now we can't wait to tell you everything that's been going on. When God has called you and he's equipped you to do something, believe me, you'll know you're in doing his will because there'll be such a sense of great joy. It's going to be hard. Serving him is not easy, but there's going to be joy. And when you run back, you know, to to pray and to, to share with the Lord, look at how beautiful what he did. It said he took them away to a deserted place to retreat. That's where Pastor Manny's always telling us over and over again. This, guys, is where the foundation of living a, a life that pleases God is where it starts. It's your daily devotion, that retreat time away from him. Because we can get so burnt out in serving and doing and, and, and doing so many things that we forget that time alone with him. And we need that time. We need that time to retreat, to refresh, to get strengthened again. Verse 11, it says, But when the multitude knew it, they followed him. So here they hear, Oh, look, Jesus is over there now. Instead of just wanting to see him, these people actually followed them. And look at how beautiful. When they followed him, he mm-hmm. received them. And what did he do? What did he share? He spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who had need of healing. Jesus always had such great compassion Mm -hmm. for the people. Every time he saw them, when you read through the scriptures, he was always moved with compassion for the multitudes. And here they are wanting to see him. They came to follow him. And here he is, even though he was busy, here he is, and he's receiving them. And he's sharing the kingdom of God with them. He's, he's doing the work that he came to do, which was to save that which was lost. That was Jesus' greatest passion. His greatest desire was people, to save them spiritually, to bring them to heaven. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. John 3.17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That was one of his greatest desires, greatest passion. A lot of times you would see him stop what he was doing because he cared so much about the people. Verses 12 through 16, it says one of the greatest miracles here was when the day began to wear away, the 12 came and said to him, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and the country and lodge and get provisions, for we're in a deserted place here. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men not including women and children. And he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and he broke them and he gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So here the disciples, they're seeing the great need and they're saying, man, there's no way there's just there's just too many. There's no way we're going to be able to feed these people. Lord, why don't you just send them away? Just, you know, it's just too much. There's too much of a need here. There's not much we can do. Send them away. And what did he tell them? He said, no, you send them back. You want to send them away. I want to show you that I am the way that I am the truth, that I am the life, that he was the bread of life. And here he performed an amazing miracle. You know, so many people, so many things. And in ministry, this could be very similar where we see so many. I mean, you just talk to the pastors that work here. and There's so many needs or so many prayer requests. I'm in a group text message, and sometimes it can be overwhelming how many needs there are within just a small church like this. And and here they were getting overwhelmed. They were they were, and, and Jesus here, he tested Philip and he said. You feed them. And he already knew what he was going to do, but he just was testing him and. And here he was like, well, Lord, you know, what did he say? He said, you give them something to eat. And he said, man, we ha- we only have this v- so little. We only have five loaves and two fish. You know, unless I go and buy all these things, there's no way I'm gonna be able to feed all these people. And he was just testing him, right? He was testing him, Philip, are you gonna obey me? I already know what I'm gonna do. I have all the power and the authority and the provisions. Are you gonna follow my instructions? And how many of us here, you know, we we may be overwhelmed with things that we're going through in our life, and it just seems that there's just no way. And on our own, you're absolutely right. There is no way that you're going to overcome that sin or that problem or that issue that you're going through. But here we just need to obey. And what did he tell them? He said. There was about 5000 men and he said to them, make them sit down in groups of 50. So just follow the instructions. God always gives us detailed instructions about what he wants us to do and here They weren't required to produce. They were just required to obey. And then who? He took what little they had. And that's what the Lord wants. Even if we only have a little bit, he's saying, and trust me with that little bit. Let it go. Trust me. And what did Jesus do? What he wants us to do when we're in a bind. He looked up. He looked up to the source of all that we need, which is God. And when he looked up, it says, and they did so and made them all sit down. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them to set before the multitudes. And that's what you know the Lord wants to do with us. When we don't know where else to turn, what else to do, he wants us to look up and to let it go, to give it to him so that he can bless it. He knows that we can't do it, but sometimes we need to be broken. We need to come to that point where we know, Lord, there's no way. I'm tired of holding on to this little bit that I have. I'm tired of holding on to this problem. I'm tired of holding on to this addiction. I'm tired of holding on to this thing, to my life. i got to just let it go, and i got to trust you. And then what did the Lord do? It says he multiplied it and they all ate and they all were filled. And not only did they eat, not only were they filled, they even had 12 baskets of leftover fragments that were to be taken up by them. So here the disciples were the ones that were worried, you know, oh, man, how am I going to produce? How am I going to produce? And here he's the one that produced. And, and he took whatever little they had and he said, hey, give it to me and watch what I do. And what he did was a perfect work because everyone was filled so much that they had so much left over. And that's what God does for us. When, when we give it up to him, he does a, such an amazing work. And if we allow him to, it'll be enough. It'll be enough. He'll fill us completely. He'll leave us overflowing with joy. I know a lot of times in ministry, you know, there's there's just things that you're just like, Lord, but I can't, but I can't. And he's just saying, man, just give it to me. And when you finally do give it to him, because I've done that, he just overfills you with so much joy, so much blessings. And all he needs is what little you have, that little trust. That little surrender of your life, your problems, your heart, your circumstances, and you watch what he does. John 6.35 says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. We got to come to him. We got to believe in him. And then we'll have that joy in serving him. So we be said, before we ask God to do the impossible, we have to start with the possible and give him that little bit that we have. But some of us, we want to hold on. You know, it's easier to hold on. I want to soak in it and this depression, this problem, this anxiety, the situation. I don't want to let it go because I don't trust that it's going to be enough. And God is telling us to let it go, to stop holding on. Stop looking at your circumstances. Look up and let God handle it. So verses 18 through 21, Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ. And it happened as as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him. And he asked them saying, who do the crowds say that I am? And so they answered and they said, John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, and others say that one of the old prophets has risen again. And then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. Who do the crowds say that he is? Who do your friends say that he is? Right? Herod the Tetrarch here was saying, you know, oh, well, I think he's this, I think he's that. But I love this personal question. Who do you say that I am? That's the Mm -hmm. question that God wants from each and every one of us here. Not what do they say that I am. What do your parents, what do your friends. Who do you say that I am? Do you believe that I am the Christ? Do you believe that I am the son of God? And that what we think of him now on this side of earth will determine our destiny you know i went to a, a conference um it was a pastor's conference and in this conference they were talking about suffering and and they were talking about how you know so many people in ministry were, were suffering and going through so many things and and i gotta be honest it, it it frightened me and and it you know it almost made me say well lord if if uh, serving you is going to be that difficult, then, you know, maybe I want to think twice about this. And and that was the enemy trying to keep me from doing God's will because I almost felt the Lord speak to me and say, Son, in this world you will face many trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. We think, oh, man, I can't serve the Lord, you know, I, I can't. I can't go all out because who knows what's gonna happen. And you know, I want to be safe, and I know when you when you serve, you get tested. And man, what a lie of the devil. Because you know what the Lord showed me? Son, you're gonna go through these things regardless if you choose to serve me or not. I just wanna be with you when you go through them. And so many of us here, who knows if. There's a calling, there's a ministry, there's an opportunity, but we are holding on and we're not letting go because we're afraid or we think something's going to happen. Guess what? Things are going to happen in this world. Do you want to go through those things alone? Or do you want to go through those things with God in your life? Holding your hand, walking you through every step of the way. I made a decision to say, Lord, I'm going to suffer regardless, so i rather suffer with you holding me through it, with you guiding me through it. It's one of the best decisions that I've made, one of the greatest pieces that he's given me, and, and just such a blessing to make that decision in your heart. And Here, verses 21 through 22, it says, Jesus predicts his death and resurrection. And he strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. This was his private announcement. He had kept it a secret, but it was a secret no more. And what would you do? I was just reading this and I was laughing because I know that my wife says, I have a hard time keeping a secret. And and here, you know, the Lord had strictly warned them. What would you do if the Lord strictly warned you not to tell? Would you still tell? You guys are sinners. You probably would. So, you know, I was thinking about that, and I was just saying, wow, Lord, you know, here you are sharing with them. And what is he sharing with them? Here they are. They're thinking that, you know, his, the kingdom of God is here. Our king is here. And now he's sharing something that probably left them confused and perplexed. I'm going to suffer many things. I'm going to be rejected by those in the church, by elders, by priests, by scribes. And I'm going to be killed. What do you think they thought? You know, and, and... He's. This is the calling that we have. This is the calling that we have as believers. is, Are we willing to suffer? Are we willing to be rejected? Are we willing to be killed for him? 21 verses 23 to um, 26. Sorry, my eyes, I can't see. Verses 23-26 to now gives that public declaration to us. Not only Him, but now the calling of discipleship for us. Then He said to them, He said to them all, not just some, if anyone desires to come after me, Let him deny himself. Sorry. Let him deny himself daily. Take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. There are some words that stood out to me here. And it was the word desire. Here he said, if, if, because it's a question, some people do, some people don't. If anyone desires to come after me, some people are okay with their life being the way it is. I'm okay doing my will. I don't want to come after him. I don't want to deny myself. I don't want to take up my cross daily. I don't want to follow him. I'm okay looking from a distance. I don't want to follow. And instead, we're following so many other things. Our desire is for so many other things. Our desire is for wealth. Our desire is for health. Our desire is for money, for position. And whatever our desire is, that's what's going to lead us to either deny or not deny. If your your desire is to follow Christ, then you're going to deny yourself. You're going to deny your own plans, your own will. But if your desire is to follow yourself, you're going to deny God. And here, you know, God was just showing me, you know, it's your choice. What is your greatest desire? What do you want the most in this life? Do you want to be healthy? Do you want to be rich? Do you want to have a great career? Those are all gr- good things in and of itself. Do you want to have a nice home? Do you want to be debt-free and education? But what is your greatest desire? You can't serve both. One is gonna come in the middle. And get in between. And if you want to be a disciple of Christ, he says, come after me, not go after stuff. It says, let him deny himself. you got to say no to yourself, to your flesh, to your ambition sometimes, to our selfishness. Because we're selfish by nature. You know, and, and some of us might be saying, well, yeah, I do desire God, but it's hard to deny certain things. But yet, when we want to lose weight, we sure deny ourselves certain things. When we want to lose weight, we deny our sleep by waking up early in the morning, but yet we don't deny ourselves sleep to get up and pray. When we want something bad enough, you know, we don't deny ourselves that purchase. But What about spiritually? What are we denying ourselves? Are we denying our flesh? Are we denying our eyes? Are we denying our sleep? Are we denying our time to wake up, to pray, to spend time with the Lord? If you desire him, you will deny these things. You will take up your cross and follow him. And in the Roman world, the cross was a symbol of shame, of guilt, of suffering, of rejection. There was no more despicable way to die than the cross. And yet Jesus, because of his desire to be with us, Took the cross, despising its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God so that we can be with him. And here it says daily. Your desire will feel your denials, and your denials are to be daily. Not weekly, not monthly, not yearly or occasionally, but daily. Every day is a battle. You know, I signed up for a the breaking chains ministry, because there was things that God was showing me in my life that I needed to deny. And there was things that I would deny, but then other days I wouldn't. And the Lord was just showing me, son, and all of us in that class, son, this is a daily battle. There's some days that you're going to win. There's some days that you're going to lose. And it's cool because We have accountability partners. We talk to each other and and we ask each other, how are you doing today? Not how did you do yesterday? How are you doing today? And that's the call of discipleship. It is hard. It will cost us something. It may even cost us our life. It may be a battle for life. But are we willing? Are we willing? Is our desire to, to be with him so bad, to please him so bad, that we're willing to give up these things daily. And it might mean your talents, it might mean your time, it might mean your money, it might mean your life. But some of us, we want to hold on to it because it says in verse 24, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Some of us, we want to play it safe. No, Lord, you know, I know I have this ability. I know I felt this calling. You know, I doing this will require more of my time, maybe some more money. You know, no, I'd rather play it safe. I'd rather just do just a little. And what does he say here? If you save your life, you will what? You'll lose it. But if you lose it for his sake, you will save it. And many of us, We're holding on to things. We're not letting them go. We're not letting go of our talents. I was one of those Christians that I was holding on because I can't, Lord. You know, because of this. So many excuses of why I cannot serve the Lord. And I'm 40 years old now and it took that much time for me to finally say, Lord, I'm not holding back anymore. I'm not able I've never been able, but you're able. And I just have to give you what little bit I have. Just like the disciples, they brought the two loaves and the fish and they said, here, this is all we have. And what did he do? He blessed it and he multiplied it. And that's what the Lord is saying for us. Give me even the little bit. And you watch what I do. Give me the little bit of your time, of your resources, of your energies, and watch what I do. But some of us, we don't want to know, Lord, I'd rather save it. I'd rather not lose it. I, You know, I like my comfort time. I like my, I don't know, whatever it is. For me, it was sports. For me, it was this. For me, it was that. I didn't want to give it up. And then I started looking. I said, Lord, I'm getting older. You know, life is going. So many people are dying in our church. What am I going to say when I stand before the Lord? Verse 25, it says, for what profit is to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? What have I gained? You know, they were asking me to go back to school for additional positions. And and it might be right. It might be okay to do. But for me, I felt the Lord was telling me, son, I want you here. Maybe there'll be a time where I can go back. But for now, the Lord was saying, I want your time. I want your talents. I want your life. Come and bring it to me. Give me everything. Because what would it profit me to gain more money, to gain the degrees, to gain the positions, to gain the titles, but it draws me away from the Lord and I lose my own soul. It's not worth it. You know, I had to look at my destiny and I had to look at well, Lord. You know what? And in comparison to that, I'd rather serve you right now. And it says, whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the son of man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angels. And we can't be ashamed. The Lord is removing that shame from me that sometimes I used to have because I wasn't a perfect Christian or a proper Christian. You know what? All glory to God. It's it's okay now. There's no shame in me telling people, you know what? I serve the Lord. I'm going to church. I'm reading my Bible. There's liberty. There's freedom in it. And for some of us, it means coming Forward it, and, and just giving complete surrender, and and not being ashamed of what God wants to do in your life. You know this this desire, this denial, this daily, this destiny really, really started to speak to me because my dad was recently. Um, he was recently given some news that uh. He's got a uh, heart failure. There's always so many things taking up my time to be with my dad, my job, sometimes my family. I haven't always denied those things, but my desire now to be with my father to be with my dad has allowed me to deny even going to work sometimes, even you know, doing things that I like to do because my desire is to be with him. I'm able to deny things in my life and with no regret. Every minute that I spend with him, such a blessing in my life. Every minute that I get to hang out with him and be with him is such a Such a tremendous opportunity that I don't mind seeing him daily. It's a blessing for me. And the Lord was just showing me, son, you see how your desire to be with your father. You're denying things to be with him. What about our desire to be with our heavenly father? Are we denying things? To spend that time with him? I love my dad. I want to be with him every day. I want to see him every day. I want to hug him every day. I want to tell him that I love him every day. But I also love my Heavenly Father. And for some of us here, what does that mean? What what are you having? To be your strongest desire. What are you not denying? Are you denying the Lord, or are you denying the world? And only you can determine if you've been denying and you've been ashamed to come forward and to give your life up completely. As for me, my desire is the Lord that's allowing me to deny myself and to deny myself daily and then I know where my destiny